Hello everyone, welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast on the Youth Critic Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast. I am your host, Kale Smith. Joining me this week is David Weiser from Film Assessment. Hey, everybody. So, uh, David, what are we talking about uh, on this particular episode? The girl boss, puppy killer. From the very beginning, I realized I saw the world differently than everyone else. That didn't sit well with some people. But I wasn't for everyone. I guess they were always scared that I'd be a psycho. (laughs) But a new day brings new opportunities. And I was ready to make a statement. the same girl i am woman hear me roar also known as corilla um yeah okay so corilla we were gonna it was originally part of our lineup for may the may ketchup episode with um which you can check out right now on uh cage the network however uh due to time and just trying to not, you know, talk for two and a half hours or so, uh, we decided to give Corilla her own episode and so on and so on. Uh, so with that said, we are here to talk about Corilla um, and uh, David, just starting with you, what did you think of Corilla? So going into it, I had rock bottom expectations because the very concept of it seemed silly to me and I was I, it just seemed like a waste of Emma Stone and the trailers didn't look very good at all to me so I was surprised that I found it to be like moderately enjoyable and pretty entertaining part because um, I expected it to be kind of miserable <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. And I, I think it's worth seeing at least once. Um, I probably won't ever rewatch it again, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so my thing with Corilla is, you know, going into it, I had seen the trailers or at least the teaser and I really liked the teaser. I thought, you know, oh, cause I really had no idea because Greg Gillespie is a director, he has done I, Tanya. You know, that's fair, and it's a great movie, but Greg Gillespie has also done, like, The Finest Hours and uh, Lars and the Real Girl. Uh, so, I mean, his style is very different, varying from film to film, uh, even for, like, Disney. Um, so I really had no idea, even the still image where she's kind of like a punk rock girl um that was released back in 2019 
Um, yeah, it was still like, oh, what is this movie going to be? Like, what is it going to be? And, um, and when the trailer came out, I was like, oh, we're doing the Joker, but Disney-fied and with Cruella. It's like, I don't really like Disney-fied Joker, but um, I'm, I'm, you have me, you have me intrigued. And then I see this movie and I go, okay, this is different. I like it, but I still, there's a lot of problems in it that I think should be brought up. And I think, you know, <laughs> that should be addressed, but I commend Greg Gillespie and Emma Stone and everyone involved for like chewing the scenery. And I mean, just, in having fun with the premise and also just going as far out as you possibly could with this PG-13 Cruella movie. Um, but yeah. Um, so let's get into the duff. So let's get into the thing everyone wants to talk about. Dalmatian killing. <laughs> Dalmatians killing people. Yes, Dalmatians are killing people. They have little knives now uh they're they're now going around london killing people it's a that's the plot of the movie no 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 so going into so let's talk about the david what do you think about the prologue um there's a lot of heavy-handed voiceover and <laughs> unnecessary eating, yeah the the dalmatian eating her mom off the cliff I had seen that clip out of context before I walked, went into the movie, so I knew it was in the movie. But and I kept hearing it made more sense in context. But as I was watching the opening, I was like, this is just as stupid as I thought it was. And then finally, when they kind of make, there's the reveal that there's that dog whistle. It's like, okay, I can, I can, I can live with this. Like, I can buy into this, like, absurd um circumstance it's a slightly more believable now it's not just dalmatians are uh out to kill you know or anything like that like they're it was just poor training or poor dog training or you know yeah no or actually good training because they actually killed or good them. training <laughs> but they were, uh, um, for nefarious reasons or nefarious purposes okay yeah fair enough fair enough uh, yeah, I did not see the clip online. I just heard about it and I was like, okay, um, I'll, I'll go away and I'll watch the movie. And then I watched the scene and I'm like, oh, this is what everyone's talking about. And I'm like, oh, this is really dumb because she, but you know, it's also like, but also when I was watching, I was like, oh my God, this is fucking dark. They have the <laughs> <laughs> they have five dalmatians killing people in this movie um and like that's really fucked up like oh my god disney like going for it and even more so like the the character cruella she blames herself as a kid because she inadvertently led the dogs outside mm -hmm. um like yeah it's it's a it, I mean, I can see it as silly, but to me, I was just like, this is really dark. Like, already, like, you know, hitting, you know, the ground running with the darkness here. Um, but, yeah, I was, 
And I was intrigued actually from the get-go from that, even though it's hinting at the plot twist already, it's already kind of showing its hand a, a little bit there because of just like the little bits of dialogue and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought the prologue, I thought it was a really good hook. I thought I was, okay, I'm in. I love this idea of Corella being a fashion designer. She's, even though none of her dresses really look like, like to me, none of it really, <laughs> like none of the dresses in this movie are like super like, like I feel like Devil's Wear Prada takes the cake in like, in this. Um, it's just like, like honestly the costumes are just like, we're just interesting and weird for the sake of like weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's beside the point. Um, and then you get to like the weird boss who's just like, I gotta make everybody feel terrible. Um, which I actually thought was great because it, then you see like him talk to Emma Thompson's character, just like suck it up. Uh, and I, yeah, we're jumping around a lot, but cause we, I've skipped over Horace and uh, Jasper uh which yay paul walter hauser getting more work you know we're yes. we're we're team hauser here um and at first i did not recognize jasper but i was like i know you from somewhere yeah i and couldn't I like, place my finger on what i knew him from but then i like i went on imdb and then i figured out like, he was in he was in some of game of thrones and then he was also mm-hmm. um, in Yesterday, the Danny Boyle movie from two years ago. Um, and then I think he was in a few other things, but those were like the two that like jumped to mind that I was like, okay, that's what I know him from. Yeah, uh, it's Jewel Fry. Um, or Free. Um, and yeah, he's been in a lot of, uh, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been working around and I really like him in this you know i think although it's kind of odd like knowing the 101 dalmatian story in the relationship between jasper horace and cruella that jasper is now like you know a love interest of cruella like it's kind of odd picturing that all together i didn't really um, see it that way oh well how'd you see it i i I thought there was much, very much like a platonic, like friendship kind of like, she's definitely kind of manipulating them to be her lackeys, but she does still care about them. But I, I felt like it was very much like a, you work for me kind of, um, but I also kind of, I have a level of respect. And well, by the end of the movie, she has like a level of respect and for, for them, but I, I felt it was kind of platonic. Okay. All right, I can see that. Uh, it it just really kind of read more than platonic, but maybe that was just maybe that was just solely my read. Um, but yeah, you know, and so throughout this movie, we're seeing Cruella, you know, get her rise. Then come across Emma um, Emma Thompson's character, who I have forgotten the name already, and. Uh, Come on, Baroness von Hellman is <laughs> her name. Yeah, no wonder I forgot about it. 
Um, and she, so Emma Thompson, not only is chewing the scenery, but she's digesting it and then re-eating, she's recirculating the scenery again. Like there is so much scenery chewing in this movie with Emma Thompson that it's just, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous and it's absolutely fun. Um, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely silly. I mean, just incredible. Um, what did you think of, uh, I don't know, what, what did you think of Emma Thompson? Oh, she was great. Um, Emma Stone was great. Walter Hauser was great. Joel Fry was great. I felt like mm -hmm. they were definitely like the core MVPs of this movie. Um, like the one-eyed dog, like, I don't know, that was just really kind of cute and endearing in a certain some way. And the CG Dalmatians were kind of weird at points. I mean, they were real Dalmatians, but like when they're used like CG models, it's kind of obvious. Kind of like that, that was something that kind of stuck out, but I mean, that's whatever. Um, and, uh, and I liked Cruella's dog, that's cute too. A little scrappy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for a movie that has a villain that's going to kill dogs later, <laughs> the dogs are really nice and sweet. Like, mm -hmm. or nice and sweet um, additions here. Especially, you said it was uh, Meek that had the eye patch. I don't remember the name of the dog. I just know, I, I just referred to it as a dog with eye patch. He was, he was cute. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I, but yeah, I really enjoy, but yeah, I really like the dogs here. Um, the other thing I will commend here is, um, and before we get to spoilers, super spoilers, is that I really love Greg Gillespie's direction. I really thought his work mm -hmm. with uh, cinematographer um, Nicholas uh, Karakasanas. I hope I pronounced that right. Like, I thought it was really well, like, well shot, well lit, especially during the monologue that um, Corella has that ends the second act to the third act. Like where it's just like a profile, it's a handheld profile of her, you know, at this fountain. I, I just really thought it was absolutely, you know, really stunning and it really differentiated and even gave, I know the movie is technically supposed to be set in the 70s, I believe, but it gives a much more like 90s punk rockness to it. To me, it, it it gave it this like nice punk rock attitude, mm -hmm. and there's even a nice punk rock you know concert in this movie as well. So and it yeah. Um, is there anything you want to talk about before we go into spoilers? Um, let's go ahead and go into spoilers. I can't think of anything at the moment. If something comes to mind, I'll okay. mention it. <laughs> all right so what is something you what's something that stood out to you that you know what's something that stood out to you in this one that was either good or just okay are we are we into spoilers or yes or... <laughs> oh yeah sorry we're into spoilers <laughs> trying to... okay we are in spoil okay okay 
we're in the spoilers, you know, either okay. stop now and wait three months or go see the movie. Um, go ahead. I am so <laughs> sick of parentage reveals. Like, I feel like everyone's trying to emulate Empire Strikes Back. And it's just, you like, there, there are some times, times where it will work, but this was not one of those times. <laughs> well, the problem is... It feels so yeah. obvious. Or it's so, it doesn't feel like a twist. It's not a surprise. And then, like, the knowledge does is something that Cruella has to grapple with, but that's kind of, like, quickly resolved for her, like, in her struggle. Like, she kind of just gets over it really quickly and it's like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna screw this lady over still, like, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned beforehand, the movie's really interesting until it isn't. Um, and also I mentioned that, you know, in that scene where Emma Thompson is talking to Corilla's mom, as I do in air quotes, um, you know, it, the scene already is playing the hand of the movie too, a little too much uh, for me. And the, when the reveal does happen, it's like, it's kind of like the Ray, Sky, Ray Pappleteen thing again, just like regurgitated, <laughs> you know, a year and a half later. Yeah. Um, and the problem, and it's not that, you know, parentage reveals are necessarily awful. I mean, because like you said, it worked in Empire Strikes Back. However, the reason why mm -hmm. it doesn't work in Ray Palpatine with Ray Palpatine or Corella, um, you know, in Corella's case, is that the context of the movie is in the context of both the the sequel trilogy and Corella is that you know we have this character Ray who or Corella who come from nothing and rise you know, to the occasion against a bureaucratic, uh, rich, upper-class upper society, and shaking the status quo, if you will. And to reveal in the third act of the story, like the sequel trilogy does, and in the Corilla um, movie, to reveal, oh no, they're part of the rich, upper-class society. They're part of the best... <laughs> it's it's very much like oh so regardless of what happens the conflict is like un, it becomes immediately uninteresting because for Carilla's case all she has to do is just you know you know work around you know she has to just work around Emma Thompson and now she's rich uh, or for you know Ray Papple Ray in the Star Wars trilogy she has to work around, you know, her evil grandfather, and then she's, you know, fine. And it's defeating the purpose of the controlling idea of the entire movie or trilogy, if you will. So that's why, for me, the twist doesn't work. Um, <laughs> the twist doesn't work in either movie, is because you know it defeats the narrative purpose of. Uh, of it, 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 it disadvantages the character quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
what else did any what else apart what else about the parentage stuff did not work for you mark strong's character felt very one note and like he was there mostly for exposition and kind of to like like at first like for the first two thirds of the movie i thought why did they hire mark strong for this role he's doing he's just like this like kind of guy that's like attending to the baroness like he's just kind of like it felt like a very uh, i don't know it just felt like a too small of a role for his a character like for an actor like him and then when he's the one to reveal this information i was like okay i guess that's where he comes in there it becomes more important but like i don't know i i i feel like it was kind of like a waste for him um again it's playing it's playing its hand by creating an unintentional checkoffs gun uh by well here's this you know actor you what you've been seeing the last decade you know and he's gonna come back and you know be important later um and he does and he does his job <laughs> just that and it's like well obviously we knew something was up because you hired Mark Strong, you know, you could have hired any British actor to play this role, but no, you hired Mark Strong. <laughs> and, and now again, like that, the problem with the movie is that it plays its hand. And then on top of that, the twist demeans the character so much because now she's not just a person that comes from nothing. She's now a person, uh, you know, comes from something, but started out as nothing. And I don't think that's as interesting. It's basically Disney, it feels like Disney executives telling their children, oh no, if I abandon you, you're still going to be fine. You're still gonna be able to rise to power or better yet, the only way of success is to be, you know, is to have inheritance and then you can make the world however you want. But both cases, Rise of Skywalker and this, Ray and Cruella really are not given a chance to make the world a better place, the world around them a better place. Sure, sure, Ray kills Palpatine, but we don't know what the result of that will be in future movies. Um, we don't know what the implication is of that, you know, in of killing Palpatine again. Uh, anyway, was there any other like things you wanted to bring up with Corella? Um, I thought Corella's revenge plots were interesting. I mean, I don't know if I, I don't I don't know if I can quite call them. I guess the first one is kind of a heist where they're going for the ne necklace, but then like her whole like kind of constantly upstaging her. I felt like they were really creative with how they managed to do that without feeling like they, it was like one note repetitive. Like she did upstage her in a similar way with like showing off her her costume designer her her fashion design, um, why it's superior and kind of like stealing the thunder. That was I guess a repetitive note, but like she did it in different ways each time, and I thought that was kind of fun and made the movie enjoyable to watch. Um, and then like that first plot with like the the heist thing trying to take the necklace was in, entertaining. Um, then like the second thing where they're she has all the guests come in like a Cruella disguise like in in her memory or whatever um in order to like disguise hide herself 
amongst the crowd. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. The The best part of this movie is when it is just two warring fashion designers, the old and the new, trying to, you know, duke it out for basically the soul of the industry of, because basically Baroness has basically got the monopoly or of this industry because she is like just crown the queen of fashion design for England for some reason. And now Cruella is taking, you know, upstaging her in every way. And I really, really, really do love all the heists, the upstaging, the the punk rock concert that comes in, in the middle of this. Like, I, I really, you know, f- like, I love that stuff. Like, it's really interesting, even though it's funny, like, that how Jasper and Horace and Cruella, like, they find the resources, they continually find the resources to, like, pull this off. But, I mean, hey, I guess if you're determined, you can get anything done. Um... Yeah, it, it was really... I liked the, like, yeah. kind of dual identity aspect of it, too. Like, how she was working for her as, like, um, Estella. an assistant or whatever. And then she, as, and a designer. Yeah, as Estella. And then, like, Cruella was, like, the evil one or whatever. Like, I thought that kind of, like, dual identity thing was kind of interesting. Yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, because, you know, and, and she and it develops Estella one of the... And here's how great Emma Stone's performance is in this movie. <clears throat> like the moment, like the moment she realizes who she is with Cruella and what her goals are as Cruella, she basically turns Estella into to hide more, to hide more of her personality, because now she knows, you know, because now the Cruella character, she knows, like what she's doing she finally has purpose she's not just trying to win you know the affection of the baroness the entire time so i felt like that was kind of an interesting direction to go for emma and it was an interesting play for her to the point where it was in to the point where the ending of the movie is interesting because she has to kill off Estella to create to fully like fully break the cocoon of uh Cruella's uh like you know full beauty so if you will like she finally breaks the cocoon and I thought that was kind of interesting interesting even though the ending too is also ridiculous like not the part where you mentioned where there's you know all these people dressed as Cruella it's the final final part of the ending um but they're gifting them the puppies. Is that? Oh no no! Before that, where she like gets Which pushed part? off the ledge, and then she does the parachute. Oh. <coughs> yeah yeah yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that was silly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of silly stuff all throughout it, but I kind of like that it kind of leaned into the campiness. I mean, how do you not? I mean, Cruella is such an over-the-top character in the first place, regardless of who's playing her. Like, she's a very over-the-top and animated character that, I mean, how could you not make it campy? Like, how could you not? 
I mean, how could you not dial everything to 11 with all the camp and dresses and the, like every, the style and everything? How do you not? And I'm glad they did it. Like, I'm glad they did it. It makes the movie more interesting, but, uh, it, but also it gives um, the movie, but it also kind of, but also it kind of like, takes away a little bit of the story or the seriousness of it because there it is again it's a story of two, two warring fashion designers which i know that sounds silly on its own but there's like actual like real this the movie kind of has real stakes going on um with the revenge plot and all but yeah um and then so she kills herself, so she, so Stella, you know, kills herself, and then Corilla, uh comes back somehow, like, in minutes, uh, after falling off a ledge, parachuting, landing, you know, getting in this boat. Yeah, this is, uh, you know what, it's a silly movie. I, for, I, I give up. It's a silly camping movie. Um... But yeah, I do want to get to that ending. The, so there's a post-credit scene in this movie where Cruella supposedly sends the two Dalmatians. Which, so if we're going with this idea that Cruella still loves dogs and she's still... Like, why is she sending Ponga and Pedita to her friends? Or yeah, people? I'm, I'm, it's kind of this this weird like the kind of the context and I'm kind of wondering like it seems like it's meant to like set the stage for like a more true 101 Dalmatians adaptation but then like with that in mind you're wondering like how they're going to put the spin because like with the groundwork they have so far it doesn't feel like they can do a true 101 Dalmatians adaptation like it feels like they would there's like a huge gap where they would need to like take Cruella's character in order for that to work and like if Cruella is going to still be like the protagonist of sorts like how are I'm, I'm really curious to see how they attempt to pull that off because they've already greenlit a sequel now um with Craig Gillespie returning so yeah and Tony uh and uh Tony and the screenwriter Tony McNamara uh, from The Favorite to to uh, pin the script so excuse me but yeah it was just it's interesting where this is going to go but also it's I know Cruella is in cruel is in the you know name Cruella but still it's kind of cruel to be like I'm gonna send these puppies as part of my plot for you know Padita and Pongo to basically farm, you know, my my coat, if you will, like create this, you know, livestock to create my coat, if you will, because that's really where I was like, wait a minute, like Corilla is not killing dogs, even when she makes it look like she killed her the Dalmatians. <coughs> it's she still didn't do it. Like she still clearly didn't do it. So it's like so yeah it just 
like that's why the movie is both fun but it puts it's you also, in a situation where you wonder it puts you in a gonna, situation where you just wonder how they can feasibly make that work like how why would she be at odds with her friends that she just gifted these dogs to and why would she want the dogs if that's not who they've defined her character as thus far you know it's a yeah like i mean and and given the tracks they've laid out there's no way they can do a faithful adaptation unless they make her just full tilt crazy Mm -hmm. but i kind of like that in the sense that i know we won't get a or i don't know but i i can assume we wouldn't get a faithful adaptation which is not what i want from these live action remakes if we're gonna get them I want them to do something unique with them, and because the I'm I'm getting tired of this trend, of <laughs> kind of regurgitating the same thing in live action. But like it feels like a case of diminishing returns. Like you're never going to match the original unless you change something. Right, and we've already gotten a live action Hundred One Dalmatians remake. Yeah, like twenty years ago, or maybe it may have been even yeah. earlier than that. Yeah, so it feels very unnecessary to do to dig that well again. And also, I mean, again, why would you like go anywhere? Why would you continue to try and go near Glenn Close's, you know, rendition of the character? Like it's Did you know she was a producer or executive producer on this? I figured that out when I, I was sitting through the credits cuz I I like stylized credits. So um, oh, post's name came know. up as a, uh, I believe it was executive producer, but it may have just been a producer, but she, she was involved to some degree. Oh, wow. I did not see that at all. Um, I did notice uh, uh, Nicholas Bratel did the score. That was one mm-hmm. of the things I did notice. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because the score is very, also not very different um or it's it, or it's very different from other disney movies um it's more adult and more like it's more experimentally crafted like a nicholas Bertel score usually is um but yeah i did not notice i did not notice that she glenn close you know was a producer on it i just yeah i didn't notice at all. I just I knew I think I had heard of for the grapevine that Glenn Close gave like Emma Stone her blessing, but that was it. That's all I knew about it. Um but yeah, I but yeah. Well let me ask you this while we're here. Do you have you seen the Hunter One Dalmatians remake with Glenn Close in it? Yeah, when I when I was a kid. I haven't rewatched it in a long time, but I, I do remember watching it as a kid. That and then the, the sequel, the 102 Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. I, yes, I've seen them both, but it's been too long to remember. I just remember also that movie being like really like unusually dark for its material, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. I, I'm grateful, but it's one of those things that's like, wow, they, like, they really go here. Like in Glenn Close, just again, how do you forget that performance? So, um, yeah. Uh, and then 
is there anything else to talk about Corilla? Because I'm kind of, I'm kind of drawing a blank now. Those credits were cool though. The end credits were cool though. I I did actually like the end credits. Um, but is, for you, is there anything more to talk about with Corilla? Um, there were a lot of needle drops. I don't know. <laughs> That's just an observation, I guess. I, I heard people complaining about that, but I didn't really mind it at all. Well, um, according to Collider, there are 33 needle drops in Cruella. So yeah, there's a lot of songs in this two hour and 14 minute movie. Um, and I mean, I didn't mind it. I'm kind of indifferent. Yeah, that's but, how I feel. And also, if we remember, like, if we're going with this idea that we're making Cruella but Itania, uh, or Itania but Cruella, um, I mean, Itania had a, also a fair share of needle drops in that movie, too. So it, it fits with, like, what Disney hired Greg Gillespie to do. I definitely like that this film, this is one of the remakes that actually feels like has the director's stamp on it. Whereas, like, the last, like, four or five, I definitely felt like they were made by committee. <laughs> kind of just generic. Yeah, I mean, um, I hate to... Yeah, I mean, I hate to throw anyone under the bus, but, yeah, I mean, these movies <clears throat> feel like they're already, like, written to death. And then, or in the case of Lion King, they just re regurgitate the screenplay with a different writer and just hope for the best and and they still manage to find ways without even just with the concept of redoing the whole thing they still found ways to make it worse <laughs> I know yeah or yeah i mean it, it, it's interesting not to i know we didn't talk about milan but you know the problem with milan is it it strips so much away it, even though it's not that, that doesn't seem that much, but it strips so much away from the original story of you know Mulan's like rise to power and what it meant for her to be in this camp of men, you know, surrounded by men, you know, men that you know it took away all of that excitement and all of that you know, well not necessarily excitement, but just all of that you know context in there, you know, and taking that all away it made the movie lesser. It made, it stripped away so much of the movie's essence. So, and I feel like that's what's the problem with these remakes is that they take um, a lot of the stuff that did make it good, you know, either intentional or unintentional on the creator, on the original creator's part. And then they, um, and then they really like hone in on like one idea, like for Milan, it's, we're making her a girl boss. We're making her, like, she's her own female character. Good idea, but there's more to Milan. Like, there's, you know, I mean, the original Milan, you can see it as it's as a bisexual allegory. You can see it as a trans allegory. In the remake, none of that is there. None of that is there. In Lion King, it's basically adding more of, you know, more stuff that didn't need to be there. And same with Beauty and the Beast. So, but yeah, 
again, but also like you, I'm getting tired of these remakes, even though Cruella, even though we've sat here and talked mildly good things of towards Cruella. Um, uh, so in terms of future Disney remakes, are there any that you're looking forward to or any that's mildly interesting? Um, the Peter Pan one, because of David Lowry's involvement, intrigues me. Um, Little Mermaid, because Lynn manuel Miranda is involved, that seems interesting to me. Um, like, I've, I'm curious to see if he, right, if he composes new, I'm, I'm guessing he's going to write new music for it, so I'm curious. I, I love what he does, so um, I'm interested to see what comes of that. Um, I can't, I, I'm, I'm having, I'm drawing a blank as to what other things they're making. You, you happen to. Uh, so I know, uh, Robert Zemeckis is directing Pinocchio or the new version of Pinocchio, which nowadays don't really inspire that much confidence, but it's still. Yeah. Robert Zemeckis, Zemeckis is kind of hit or miss. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll see. I mean, he has he's reuniting with Tom Hanks as Ge Geppetto. Is that right, Geppetto? It's just Pinocchio for me is like one of the more traumatizing stories uh, to adapt. So it's like, how do you do? This? I feel like, like the animated is... one is already really dark. It'll be interesting to see if they try to like how they try to lighten it up. If they do, mm -hmm. or if they lean into the darkness. We'll see. Um, yeah, um, I mean, I'm not. Doing? What else are they doing? They're doing the Peter Pan, uh, Little Mermaid. I don't. I, this is going to surprise everyone. I don't really care for the Little Mermaid remake. Um, I, I think, I'm kind of done with Rob Marshall for now. Like, um, like his Mary Poppins is very earnest and very nice, but also. I would like to, but also it's not, I don't, I just don't really care for the movie that much. Um, and then I'm trying to think. Oh, there's like a whole list. A, isn't there like the Russos or I don't know if they're directing, but they're at least like producing a Hercules. Did you ever oh, hear yeah. about that? Uh, I mean, they are set to direct the movie, but I mean, they're currently working oh, they are on directing? The Gray Man. Okay. Yeah, I think that was the announcement that the Russos were writing and directing uh, a Hercules movie. Um, but I, but right now they're working on The Gray Man. So, and I'm assuming that it's going to take, since it's supposed to be a trilogy of movies, it's going to take up, you know, most of the, like their, a lot of their time. Um, trying to, but yeah, I, there's not that much more. I mean, they're already kind of skimming the surface. Like, yeah, they're getting a Corilla sequel, but they've milked, yeah. uh, but <laughs> they've milked uh, Maleficent and Cinderella. Yeah, I mean, they've done my, I'm looking at my shelf right now to see what else they, what they haven't done. They could do live action remakes of the Pixar movies. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I hope they don't. No, I don't either. I'm sorry. I take that back. I'll I, I'll take it back. Please don't do it. Um, 
I think there there's a Snow White somewhat in development. I don't know. Oh yeah, Snow White directed by Mark Webb. Um, I think um, that's all I can think of right now. I'm sure there's like an endless stream and they're never gonna stop to keep making them. But. Oh, there's a hunchback of Notre Dame remake also in the works. But that's also been in development hell for like five years now, so I doubt if there's going to be any movement on that real soon. They might do it if they, you know, have nothing else to adapt. Um, I just know right now they will never ever do a remake of Song of the South. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, they <laughs> won't touch, touch that. that. Yeah, they won't touch that with a you know hundred foot stick. Um, yeah, no, they will never um ever do it uh trying to but yeah or they will never they won't even do black cauldron they would never do that again um i don't know but i would for in terms of disney i would love for them to continue tron um Aren't they, I mean, didn't they announce a third tron movie with jared leto they <laughs> did <laughs> But again, that movement has been stagnant. I think they were hoping that Morbius, because uh, oh. this is, they were hoping Morbius would be like a big hit and they could be like, hey, we got the guy from Morbius to be in Tron. Also, like, it's one of the worst jokers you've ever seen. And is. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I think they were hopeful that Morbius would be like, the launching pad for Jared Leto, like a relaunching pad, if you will. But then again, Morbius is not coming out till next year. So, um, yeah. We'll see. Um, there was talks of a National Treasure like reboot series. But that's it. Um, also, the Peter Pan movie is going straight to uh, Disney Plus, I believe. Mm-hmm. all right um i think we got corella i think we gave her as much attention as possible um uh is there anything else to talk about corella because i'm i'm drawing a blank i i'm drawing a blank no no i don't think so i feel like it's very surface level mild enjoyment <laughs> for the most part and then yeah yeah i mean i hate to be the guy that's like thank goodness they made a movie that's just my surface level enjoyment but at this point it's like i mean they're not going to stop with these remakes they're just going to remake them remakes now yeah, in 10 years from now, we're going to get the remake of Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and then a few years before that, we're going to get the remake of Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, just for good measure. Um, yeah, all right. Well, uh, with that, um, David, do you have a blog or anything you want to share before we you know, leave? Yeah, I do. It's called Film Assessment. Um, 
I have a review for Quiet Place Part 2 up there. I haven't written about Gorilla yet. I'm probably going to do that kind of soon. We'll see. Um, I know I'm going to be publishing it in the Heights review this week. Um, so you can check that out. And my uh, you can check out my Twitter handle is wiser underscore David. And yeah, it's nice to be here again with you, Karen. All right. Uh, thank you. And please, everyone, check out Film Assessment. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at MovieKale. Uh, that's where you get all information on all updates on the podcast. Uh, and I don't know what we're doing next episode. I'm trying to get a Conjuring 3 episode up and going, but the movie wasn't that good or memorable. So we'll see. <laughs> um, if not, um, In the Heights is definitely, definitely, definitely next week, which... Uh, David's already seen. I saw it um, a couple days ago. Um, and it's, yeah, go check it out and come back here and we'll talk about, you know, In the Heights uh, as much, you know, with much love and praise as possible. Um, thanks, everyone. We'll be back with you uh, next week. I'm just getting started, darling. is I was born brilliant born bad and a little bit mad <laughs> I'm crazy